Welcome to the Fantastic Magic Center. I'm Kent Cummins, and I'm going to share the real secrets of magic. I'm calling today's episode A Magician Among the Spiritualists, which uh, may sound familiar to you Houdini buffs out there, because in 1924, two years before Houdini died, he authored a book called A Magician Among the Spirits, and how much of that very long book he actually wrote is a subject to question. My guess is that Walter Gibson, as the author, wouldn't have sold as many books as Houdini as the author. And the purpose of Houdini's book was to expose fraudulent spiritualist mediums, which was a big part of his latter life. But, of course, another purpose of the book, no doubt, was just to get his name before the public, because like P.T. Barnum, Houdini was a master of that kind of publicity. This is episode number seven of Tales from the Fantastic Magic Center, and since some people think seven is a lucky number, I think uh, making this about spiritualism uh, is kind of a fun coincidence. But, as I said, my title is A Magician Among the Spiritualists, and that's because I've had some experiences that almost no other magicians have ever had. I have done magic shows at spiritualist conventions. I have been to spiritualist offices looking through their paperwork. It's, uh, as you may know, uh, especially because of Houdini, magicians and spiritualists generally did not get along. So, let me tell you why. My uncle the Reverend Vernon R. Cummins, my dad's older brother, was a very good friend of mine. He was a great uncle. He was fun. Well, he wasn't a great uncle. He was a good uncle, but because great uncle me, well, never mind. The point is my uncle Vernon and I did stuff together frequently, but Vernon was the founder of the American Spiritualist Alliance, which had its headquarters in San Antonio, where he and my grandparents, uh, found home. That's what they called home, and that's where my dad and my mom grew up and, and found each other. And so my Uncle Vernon, the Reverend Vernon R. Cummins, founder of the American Spiritualist Alliance, the ASA. And because he was my uncle, I learned things that uh, many people perhaps did not know. But let's start with my first show for a spiritualist convention. It was his 1958 convention, and he hired me to do a magic show. And I was born in 43, so 53, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, I was, what, 15 years old? I was, and I looked younger, I was uh, Uncle Vernon's cute kid. And so uh, it was okay for me to be there doing uh, entertainment. And uh, <laughs> it was really kind of interesting because... Vernon told me, said, don't do any spooky stuff. Uh, stick to rabbits out of hats and scarves and flowers and stuff like that. And I didn't actually have any spooky stuff in my repertoire back then. I, I, I still don't have a lot. And so that was no big problem. My feature trick, my signature trick back then was pouring milk into a boy's ear, pumping his arm and having it uh, come out the other ear. And this was my version of a particular routine that was sold by 
D. Robbins to magic stores and therefore in the EZ Magic Catalog, my favorite magic store, the Fun and Magic Shop there in San Antonio, used the EZ Magic Catalog as so many magic stores did back then. And so I had seen that and the trick required a milk pitcher, which was a trick that I had, and a trick called Miracle uh, Milk Appear, Liquid Appear, Liquid Appear, I think was the name of it, which was a can that had a glass in it and then liquid would appear in the glass. I didn't like that particularly, but I had a six-shot loda, which is a little vase that you show empty and then pour liquid out of and then show empty and then pour liquid out of. And yes, you can do that six times. And so I pumped the milk out of the little boy's ear using the loda, which gave it multiple laugh lines instead of just one time. And so I was pretty proud of that trick. But of course, there were no kids, except for me, there were no kids at the American Spiritualist Alliance convention. I remember, because I made a note about it, that I wound up using the Reverend Billy Hill as the spectator that I poured milk into his ear. And he was a good sport. I gather that he and Vernon were good friends. Vernon may have prepped him and said, hey, you know, my nephew wants to use you in one of his tricks. And what I remember from the convention is that I was very well received. The magic show went really well. No, I didn't do anything spooky. Part of my deal, I'm sure he paid me. I, I don't remember how much, but Vernon would pay me if he had me hired to perform. He also gave me half a page ad in the program. So that was funny too, a magician advertising in a spiritualist convention program. And so in many ways, that was my start into the world of spiritualism. And many years later, when Uncle Vernon was having his convention in Austin, and when I lived in Austin, my dad would typically help him with his conventions. My dad was sick, uh, I believe the start of the cancer that ultimately claimed his life. So dad asked if I would help Uncle Vernon. At this point, I was a professional magician, but once again, I was told, you know, you're not doing any magic, really. You're just there to help with the admin. And so I got to know that spiritualist community really well. And they mostly did readings and things. I mean, there was very little in the way of physical manifestations. I never saw any fake spiritualist mediums doing weird stuff. Maybe it was partially just because I was kept away from it. But I feel like this was just like any small-town church, people who had sincere and similar beliefs getting together to share those beliefs, and so I didn't find it uncomfortable at all. But it was really pretty funny because my next performance for a spiritualist convention was not planned, and I didn't have an ad in the program. We had our banquet, I say our banquet, the, the ASA banquet, was scheduled in the hotel, I believe it was the Hilton Hotel in uh, right on Town Lake there in, in Austin. The entertainment that had been hired was a Hawaiian dance group. And I was sitting at the head table because I was family and I was helping, you know, with the, with the convention. At some point, the woman who was also helping Uncle Vernon with the convention went out and took a phone call. This is before cell phones, of course. And then she came back in and she said, I have an announcement. The Hawaiian group is running a little bit late at their previous gig, but they will be here. And while we're waiting, I've heard that 
The Reverend Cummins' nephew is actually a magician. I'm sure he'll entertain us while we're waiting. And she sat down. Nobody had asked me if I could, nor was I prepared to. I didn't have a briefcase full of magic tricks or anything with me. I think I had a thumb tip in my pocket just because I always carried a thumb tip in my pocket. And for you non-magicians, that's obviously a gimmick, a fake thumb that allows you to do certain tricks. I remember they had a basket of dinner rolls on the table, and I picked up some dinner rolls and did a piece of my juggling act. I couldn't do the bouncing part because the dinner rolls probably didn't bounce, but I did basic juggling with dinner rolls, and I told the only joke that I knew. See, I wasn't a comedian, and I didn't go around telling jokes. There was one joke that I remembered. I think it was probably from a Robert Orban book. If you don't know who Robert Orban is, Google it. I'm sure I'll have a conversation about him in one of these episodes at some point in the future. Basic story was that a traveler into some uh, exotic country was captured by cannibals, and the cannibals put him into a big pot and lit the fire and were starting to try and get the water to boil, and he thought, I am in big trouble. I better do something magical to make them think I'm a god or something. And he had a cigarette lighter, and he took the cigarette lighter out of his pocket and wumbo mumbo jumbo and lit the lighter and it burned and everyone went, ooh, ooh. And the leader of the cannibals came up to him and said, wow, that's the first time we've seen a lighter light the first time. And that doesn't make sense anymore. Bic lighters almost always lit the first time. But back in the day, uh, that was one of the jokes is that cigarette lighters didn't light very easily. I'm pretty sure that's the joke I told. And I was running out of things to do when, thankfully, the Hawaiian troop got there. That's my two performances for the American Spiritualist Alliance. And I've got a lot of stuff here in the Magic Center. Chimes Magazine and Psychic Observer newspaper. And what I would do is, when I was a teenager, uh, Uncle Vernon would take me to his office. And I would sit there going through the newspapers and the magazines looking for stuff about magicians in general and uh, spiritualists in particular, I found some really cool stuff. And so most magicians haven't had that opportunity to uh, collect those kinds of things. And so uh, I have uh, quite a bit of the spiritualist stuff in my collection. And I never became a spiritualist. I found it difficult to believe in the concept of survival of human personality after bodily death, which is one of the books that I read when I was young. But I believed in my uncle, and uh, I believed that this was a faith-based group that seemed very sincere. Because of that, uh, I was comfortable around these spiritualists. I never encountered the fraudulent mediums like Houdini did. Although I may have mentioned that my first Gilbert, my Gilbert Misto magic sets, the bigger sets had a book of knots and rope releases and things like that. And that book had a lot of information about the Davenport brothers who were traveling spiritualist entertainers during the Houdini time frame. And so I had some of that knowledge. But here's something I did my own self when I was in high school, Baton Rouge High School. I graduated in 61. This was probably 1960 when I did this. 
I started the Junior Society for Psychical Research. You see, in my studies of Houdini and spiritualism and magic and the occult and, and uh, interesting phenomena, I had read about the American uh, Society for Psychical Research and the London-based uh, British Society for Psychical Research. And I thought, well, we need a junior society for psychical research, the JSPR. And I had rubber stamps made because back then, if you had a rubber stamp, that meant you were real. I can remember I got some of my friends, like-minded friends together, and we flipped pennies again and again and again and kept track of it to show what uh, what would naturally come up, heads or tails, how many times and and that sort of thing. And we got a, a deck of the Zenner cards, which were the ESP cards that uh, even if you're not a magician, you've probably seen them. It's a deck of 25 cards, five cards each of five different geometric symbols. And I learned later that those symbols could also be interpreted as the numbers one through five. For example, there was a circle, which is one line, a closed line, and there was the plus sign, which is two lines crossed, and there were the wavy lines, which are three uh, crookedy lines that are parallel to each other, and there was the square, which is four lines, and there was a star, which is five lines. And so we used those ESP cards, extrasensory perception, as used at Duke University. And back then, Dr. Ryan's parapsychology classes and laboratory were a part of Duke University. Now, today, the Ryan Institute still exists. You can Google it, and it's still in that area, but it's not part of the university anymore. And so we conducted the various ESP tests and so forth. My life has been an interesting combination of magic and spiritualism. And I have one more story to tell about spiritualists. And this actually backs up to when I was a very young child before I started school. And my uncle was married to a woman who was at the time my Aunt Susie. I don't think their marriage lasted terribly long, but she was a medium. So my family went to the spiritualist church service. I think it was primarily to support Vernon. My family typically went to Episcopal church services. But anyway, I, I remember being there as a kid. I remember it was just in a sort of an empty room set up. It, it might have been a, a school or it might have been a church where he was borrowing the the, the room, but there weren't any of these uh, stained glass windows or velvet cushioned pews that, uh, that we had at St. James Episcopal Church. So I have this vague memory of it, and I remember at one point they passed around some slips of paper and had people write questions on them or put their initials on them. Again, I don't remember the details. I was very, very young. But at some point, Aunt Susie would give readings. She would pull a piece of paper out of that basket and give a reading, tell somebody about their life. And at one point, she pulled out a reading and said, oh, this person, blah, 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 should never drive a red car. And who, who, who has the initial K or whatever it was? And I remember I raised my hand. And of course, everybody laughed and laughed. Ho, ho, this cute little four-year-old, five-year-old, whatever I was, put his initials into the basket. And 
I'm sure that Aunt Susie was flustered for a moment, but what I remember, she said, or of course a red bicycle. The interesting thing about that is even though I am not a spiritualist, even though I don't believe in survival of human personality after bodily death, which means I don't believe in ghosts, even though none of that is part of my belief structure, I have never had a red car or a red bicycle. I won't even rent a red car because, I mean, Aunt Susie said not to. I'm Kent Cummins. Join us next time for more tales from the Fantastic Magic Center. And if you'd like even more information, well, join us on our website, fantasticmagiccenter.com.